Welcome to the Sketchy Sketch Sketch Show podcast, where anyone can submit a comedy sketch. Then we have our friends read it, and we all talk about it. Here to facilitate all these funny people, I'm Harrison Merck. And I'm Amy D. In this week's episode, we learn about a cryptic waitress, then we tune into an old-timey radio show, followed by an astrologically concerned author, and finally, that guy at the office. Welcome to week three of Sketchy Sketch Sketch Show, y'all. Thanks for coming. It's happening. Yay! Awesome, guys. Thank you so much. We're going to just get right started into it. Uh, We are going to be reading my sketch. I'm Amy D, and the sketch title is Erica. Playing Brenda will be... Lisa Weitzman. Playing Kevin... Harrison Merck. Erica... Alicia Reen. And Marcus. Keith Estrella. And Stacy. Christy. Okay. Scene one. Exterior shot of Italian restaurant night. Scene two. Interior restaurant night. A young couple, Kevin and Brenda, both in their mid-30s and nicely dressed, are seated by a host at a small table and handed menus when they sit down. Oh, babe. I can't believe you got us a reservation where we had our first date. I know. We haven't been back here in what? 20 years? Look, the place hasn't changed a bit. I know. Look at these menus. I think they're the same ones from 20 years ago. How quaint. <laughs> Erica, played by Aubrey Plaza, approaches their table. She looks miserable and stares straight ahead the entire time, not looking at Kevin and Brenda. Hi, welcome to Finicky's, where we bring a slice of Italian countryside to here in the big city. My name is Erica, and I will be guiding you through this culinary delight. Erica pauses to let out an audible sigh. Brenda and Kevin's happiness fades as they look at each other questioningly. Today's special is Vitella Umberto, which is lightly floured, fresh, Feel fillet sauteed in butter, fresh lemon and mushrooms, and flamed with dry vermouth. Oh, uh, we're vegetarians, so we were looking more at some of the pasta or seafood dishes. Erica slowly glances down at Kevin and just stares at him for a long, awkward moment. Okay. <laughs> Brenda clears her throat to break the tension. Well, I was actually wondering about the salmon pescara. Erica's annoyed gaze at Kevin finally breaks and her head slowly turns towards Brenda. She sighs and moves to look over Brenda's shoulder where she reads directly from the menu. Royal North Atlantic salmon topped with our crabbed imperial surrounded with monet sauce. (laughs) Erica moves back to the center of the table and just stands there looking straight ahead. Oh, you know what? Oh, could we start off with a bottle of Bulgari Merlot? Uh, oh, and an order of calamari. Okay. Erica nonchalantly walks into the kitchen. Oh my God, Kevin! I don't remember the service being this terrible. I I feel like Erica hates us. Yeah. Oh, she is not pleasant. Let's just decide what we want now. So when she comes back with the wine, we can order our meal, and then she'll leave us alone. Erica comes back with the wine and two glasses, which she sets down on the table and begins uncorking the wine. With each twist of the corkscrew, she looks back and forth at Kevin and Brenda, glaring at them. No one says anything. She pours them two glasses and sets the bottle on the table as the restaurant manager, Marcus, late 40s, goofy-looking and balding, comes to the table with the calamari. Thanks, Marcus. 
That's so great of you. Marcus, smiling, puts the calamari on the table. Erica stares straight ahead, emotionless, annoyed. <laughs> you know, you guys are really in for a treat here with Erica. She's been our top server for over 10 years and has won the coveted National Iron Skillet Award for Waitstaff Excellence four years in a row now. Waitstaff Excellence? Erica's head sharply turns to Kevin and she angrily squints at him. Oh yeah, Marcus. And your best shift manager. So cool. And I don't like to brag, but yes, I'm the best server in this place and my customers love me. Erica does a juke motion towards Kevin, making him jump back in his chair and both he and Brenda sit upright. <laughs> This this hero woman is no joke. She, uh, the master of customer service. She's been our lead shift trainer for as long as I can remember and is the reason our waitstaff is so great. A bubbly teenager, Stacy, walks behind the group. Stacy here uh, was most recently trained by Erica. Oh yes, I learned so much from her. I used to be such a grouchy groucherson, but Erica taught me how to truly relate to people and empathize with their every want and desire. Erica's glare focuses on Stacy and she does a low growl in her general direction. Yeah, girlfriend. I couldn't think of a better way to spend my Labor Day weekend than to teach you how to write down food people order and then bring it to them. Real mind-blowing. You are so amazing, Erica. Stacy squeals in delight and bounces away. Marcus follows. Kevin and Brenda are motionless and confused. Are you ready to order now? I'm going to need a minute. Okay. Erica shrugs and walks away. Kevin, we cannot stay here. This waitress is horrible. She's clearly not a good waitress and hates her job. She's mean to everyone around her. Uh, I don't know. Everyone seems really happy, and uh, they all have great things to say about her. What are you talking about? She's being mean to them right now. Cut to Erica holding a menu up between her face and Stacy's, as Stacy is happily trying to talk to her around the barrier. Oh, Brenda, I, I think you're overreacting. Really, I think Erica's nice. Sweet, almost. Kevin! What are you- Erica just appears at the table and is glaring at Brenda. Are you ready to order now, Brenda? Um, I am- Yeah, um, I'll have the crab cake barber over linguine. Erica points at Kevin with her pen. You? Oh, yes. Thank you for your kindness, Erica. Um, I'd love to have the salmon pescara. Okay. Erica then just stands there and stares straight ahead, motionless. Without speaking, Brenda tries to communicate with Kevin to do something, and Kevin responds, also without speaking, with hand gestures and facial expressions of not knowing what to do. He finally calms down and speaks to Erica. Um, is everything all right? Is there, uh... Look, um, I'm gonna go smoke a cigarette and take a break. Someone else is going to bring out your food and the check. You can pay up front at the host stand whenever you're ready. And you can also make a reservation to come back next weekend. Uh, yes, ma'am. Of course. Brenda is speechless. Erica leaves the table. Oh, honey, that calamari smells good. (laughs) 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 Super fun, Amy. Mm -hmm. (sighs) Um, Yeah, you want to talk about the writing process? You want to talk about the game? Uh, well, last week's homework assignment was to think of a, a famous actor to write for, and I just don't know why, but Eric, or Aubrey Plaza popped into my mind and her famously dry, sarcastic, just doesn't give a shit attitude. 
And so I thought, what better place for her than serving the public in a restaurant? So then it just kind of escalated from there. And the yeah. game and the game is just a shitty waitress. <laughs> yeah, I feel it. Uh, yeah, I think it's, I mean, so we talked about this. I know you wrote this today. Um, it's super fun. Dig the clarity right up front. I think the only thing I would say is like, I'd love to hear Erica say like that she loves this job or uh, maybe even like what she loves about this job. You know, like, uh, like I think I like the things we hear Erica say sarcastically. She's sort of taking as uh, like, she is saying them earnestly, which I think you have, you have in there for everything. It just like with a justification that gets like, you know, it would catch it in that basket. But yeah, I really like it. I think you could, the only thing that like confused me as far as like the couple goes is that it felt like Kevin like switched onto like Erica's side, but then it felt like he got sort of cajoled into asking Erica what was up. And I'd say like, I would love to see Brenda just sort of take the reins and be like, yo, what's up with you? Yeah, that's Uh, true. Yeah. Since Kevin has like, you know, made that switch already. And I love that switch from Kevin. I think that's that like him being like, honey, no, she's, she's, everyone loves her. I think that's so fun. (laughs) And you did it really well. So thank you for that. (laughs) Oh, thank you. I wanted to say that it almost seemed like at the end, Erica was like the manager of the restaurant. (laughs) That was, that was kind of the vibe I got. I don't know. She's definitely dominant for sure. Yeah. Um, (laughs) For sure, everyone's like I don't know if I'm using this right. Everyone's like simping for uh, for Erica. I think it's I think it's basically the right usage. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a good word. Well, she does definitely works. I mean, the guy's coming back. He he's a good sub, you know. <laughs> what she has to say. That's why she's the best. She convinces everybody to keep coming back. On, on and maybe you did, and I didn't pay attention. But on that note, like she people come back. Because she like orders them at the end. If there was, does Marcus say something about it at the beginning? She has more repeat customers than anybody or something? Yeah, I left it kind of, I wasn't sure, um, but I left it kind of open to either be that she forces people to like scares people into coming back or people are really convinced. And Brenda's the only one who like doesn't see that she's the best. I couldn't, uh, yeah, I don't know. I could have made that clear okay. probably one way or the other. I, well, it just occurred to me like people come back because they're afraid of her. And she told them to come back. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of wanted to see uh, see something like like Kevin, who flips at the end, like you said, and who really likes Erica, and then I don't know, just starts giving her like, like gives her a tip, and then she's like, mm, thanks, or says K again. So he just starts giving her more and more and more <laughs> money. It's like, like I know this wallet. is out of the ordinary, but I feel like tipping you before we even get our dinner. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> stuff like that. Yep. That's good. Yeah. My favorite things in it are um, Kevin turning. That's just hilarious. And then just the whole like getting inside. Is it Brenda, the wife? Mm-hmm. Inside her head. Like, am I the only one that's not crazy here? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. That's so fun. Yeah, there's just like little... There's, like, so much good stuff here. There's just, like, little tweaks of, like, clarifying, like, is it, is she being, like, using a sarcastic tone, but she's serious? Mm-hmm. Or is she using intimidation? Or, like, like what exactly is the deal? Because, uh, I mean, it works as is, but I think it could be even more effective. No, yeah, I appreciate that. Thanks. There's so much. Like, you really captured her voice, too. Like... 
it's just a great job with that. Thanks. Yeah, I really, I really want to know if these people's lives are being improved by Erica, or if they just think their lives are being improved by Erica, and she's really just like, (laughs) just like cruel. (laughs) It's, it's it's hard to tell. So I feel like speaking to Tyler's like uh, the thing Tyler said about clarity. Like I feel like SNL would be like, oh, we are fine with this amount of clarity. Maybe a show like Key and Peele would uh, have. Something from uh, like Marcus, where Marcus would be like, "Oh yeah, uh, none of us are really sure whether or not we can take her at face value, so we just choose to." Because it's easier that way, and we can sleep at Hi, night. Hi, welcome to Finicky's, where we bring a slice of Italian countryside to here in the big city. Thank you. All right, our next. Sketch is called Crone Talk, written by Lisa Weitzman. C1 will be played by Jenny Adams. C2 will be played by Amy D. And Jehoshaphat will be played by Liv Curtis. Uh, So the premise of this is uh, these two older women in their 60s, they have a radio show and it's called Crone Talk. And they like to talk about topics such as aging bodies. Um, And they take calls. So people call them all the time. So this is just one of those shows, one of those radio shows, and they get a really kind of unusual um, caller. Hello, and welcome to Crone Talk. Today, we'd like to address a topic other than aging bodies and talk amongst ourselves. And by ourselves, we mean us and you are lovely and brilliant. But of course, and brilliant radio listeners. We only attract the brilliant and lovely. There, did we suck up to our listeners enough? Don't yell at me. You started it with the brilliant, lovely. Shall we move on? Please. As my sister was saying, we wish to expand our horizons and talk about an issue very close to our hearts. The crap on TV. And the prejudice against viewers of a certain maturity level. Ours. Our maturity level. Since Frankie and Grace. That's Grace and Frankie. Since that wonderful show starring the mature... Don't forget Lovely. Lovely. Jane Fonda and Lily Tomlin finished up four seasons on Netflix. We have not been able to find anything engaging to folks like us. Mature and lovely. And And wise. wise. With humor and grace, pun intended... Grace and Frankie tackled divorce, infidelity, gay issues, and mercy killing. By the way, the lines are open. Please call so we can talk talk amongst amongst ourselves. ourselves. They stare at the phone and nothing happens. Maybe you should have stopped before the mercy killing. Maybe you should. Phone rings. Oh, hello, and thanks for calling Crone Talk. Whom do I have the pleasure of speaking amongst this afternoon? Hello? Hello, Hello, am I on? Uh, Turn down your radio, dear. Hello? Hello? Kathy and Latte, are you there? We're here. Turn down your radio, please. Should I turn, should I turn down my radio? Yes! I can't hear you, let me turn down my radio. Can you hear us now? I think you blasted my eardrum. Uh, so sorry. Uh, what is what is 
your name, lovely listener? Jehoshaphat. To her sister who has jumped out of her seat. Don't say it. Oh, I've heard it all. Jumpin' Jehoshaphat, Jezebel Jehoshaphat, Jack-o'-lantern Jehoshaphat. Jack-o'-lantern? Well, then, what... Would you mind sharing how your parents happened to choose Jehoshaphat? I'm sure our listeners are curious. Heaven knows we are. Well, as you might know, it is considered a name for a male. You see, I have 12 older sisters. As the story goes, when Mama told Papa she was with child again, he said, jump in Jehoshaphat. It better be a boy. Can you blame him? So I popped out with all my glorious girlness. He jumped out the window? How did you guess? Anyway, Mama was disturbed by a chain of events, having a newborn girl and a husband with two broken legs. She decided to punish you by naming you Jehoshaphat. Well, she always claimed my naming was ordained by heavenly powers. As everyone knows, my name means Yahweh has judged. Of course. Sure, I knew that. But I'm pretty sure it was punishment for being a girl. At least they didn't leave me on a rain-soaked cliff like some cultures. That's looking on the bright side. So, Jehoshaphat, what would you like to talk about here on Chrome Talk? Mercy killing. (laughs) My dog buster. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) He's in pain, deaf, blind, incontinent. That means he's peeing all over. I know that, and possibly pooping. Yeah. This is a no-brainer, Jehoshaphat. Take him to the vet and hold Buster in your loving arms while he passes into the great beyond. Agreed. Now, that go double for my great aunt, Gert. We need to break for commercial, ladies and gentlemen. Stay tuned. You don't want to miss our next segment on Shaken or Stirred. How do you like your Long Island iced tea? Hey. Thank you, readers. Oh, thank you. The readers, thank you so much. (laughs) Yeah, great job, readers. Yeah, this sketch is like, feels like there's a lot of energy between the folks reading it. And yeah, everybody did a great job with that. Uh, Lisa, yeah, you want to talk about the writing process or the game? Oh, Okay. Uh, geez, the writing process, like I, like I admitted, I wrote it a couple years ago and then we never performed it. And I really, I really wanted to hear it. Um, and, um, in, in terms of game, I'm, I'm not sure, I guess it's, you know, there's some like sort of classic old jokes kind of thing Mm -hmm. reimagined for the radio show. Um, I guess the only the only real, um, you know, where I raise the stakes is with great aunt Gert at the very end and then boom, <laughs> it's over. So, um, I don't know. I guess I'm just curious to hear what you guys have to say. Yeah. So I think you actually, I mean, there's a lot that's funny about this. I think you nailed what the game is, uh, when you were, uh, introducing the sketch, which is like, an they get an unusual caller. Like, I think you just, I think you nailed it when you said that. Okay. I, and I love you have this just killer, absolutely amazing half page of them dealing with Jehoshaphat's radio being on. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm sure you could hear it. Like Josephet comes on, and this energy just like came into the Zoom call. Everybody was laughing. It's a yeah, very it's good great. bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you could even get us there quicker. 
Okay. Uh, get us to that moment where the Jehoshaphat's on the line. And I, because that is so good. Because Jehoshaphat really takes over this. We've established that it's their show, that it's their program. They're talking about all this stuff. They have interesting, insightful, wonderful things to say. Mm-hmm. And then Jehoshaphat just takes over. And I love that. Um, one of my favorite things about Jehoshaphat is this. Oh, I I can't hear you. I'm turning my radio down after they've been saying that to her. Uh, and I just love that idea of like, they are trying to help. They're trying to say things. But Jehoshaphat's just here to talk. Like, it's yeah. not she's not even here to, like, interact with these people. She's just here to do her thing. Yeah, like, she doesn't uh, quite understand how a radio show might work, <laughs> which is really fun and accurate, I think. First time talker, first time listener. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I mean, like, even if Jehoshaphat's, like, repeating stuff, uh, like, when, uh, I forget who says he jumped out a window, like, as a joke. Uh, and then yeah. Jehoshaphat says, how'd you know? Like, even if Jehoshaphat just says, he jumped out a window, <laughs> like just repeats oh, okay. it. Uh, like, like the crone says it and then she just repeats it. Right. Or okay. like with the peeing and pooping with the dog, like with the crones are like probably peeing everywhere and pooping too. If Jehoshaphat's <laughs> just like, yeah, so he's peeing and pooping everywhere. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I gotcha. I gotcha. Yeah. Thank you. That's good. Yeah, I I really love this sketch, Lisa. I I love how it's just sort of like, I don't really see sketches like this anymore. You know, like this sort of cartoonist yeah. sort of slapstick okay. humor, and and it's just such a like I don't know. It's so nice to read a sketch that's sort of a throwback to to comedy of an earlier time. Um, so it was really fun to read. So thanks. Thank for you. Thank it. you. Well, you guys did a great job. That's that's good. Um, yeah, I like um, what you guys said. So yeah, Jehoshaphat doesn't hear anything. Um, I was I really loved that Jehoshaphat's reason for calling was mercy killing. I liked that it was this like crazy character who had like a sad thing to talk about, and then like, and the little twist of just like, well, hmm, now that I know this, like with the Gerda thing. But I just like I. I enjoyed that moment um, when we got there. I one thing I really like is that they have these like pun names, cafe and latte, like coffee joke names, kind of. Um, but you don't hear the until Jehoshaphat mentions that after she's already in the call. So, like, I feel like in that in your little intro, that would that would include their names and and like a little we thing should. up top about what they do. Um, and then yes. you can. So then the. Uh, yeah, you can like really call attention to the the fact that they they're named Cafe and Latte, which is so funny. It's so good, right? <laughs> and even if they yeah. call mm-hmm. each other, they introduce each the other beginning. Or, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. She's yeah. Cafe. She's Latte. Yeah, right <laughs> and, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. It reminded me. It reminded me a lot of um, the coffee, the coffee talk well, sketch with Linda Richmond. Talk amongst yourselves. I I ripped that That's, off. I, I kind of figured. Yeah, yeah. and once I stole that. <laughs> like once a, Jenny yeah. started talking in that wonderful accent, I immediately yeah. regretted not starting off with an accent. But then I was like, is it too late to <laughs> sprinkle some of that in? So I'm gonna have to go back and listen to it to see how weird my voice changes throughout. <laughs> yeah, so I was like, oh, that's gold. Yes, I should have done that. <laughs> <laughs> One of the many crossovers between improv and sketch is that feeling of, is it too late for me to start this accent? <laughs> 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 <laughs>
This evening we have three hotels written by Tyler Chick. Teddy will be played by Jerry Stevens II. And Esther will be played by Jenny Adams. Take it away. Interior, live TV studio, evening. The theme music of a novel discussion plays as the logo is briefly superimposed over an image of the host, Teddy Benson, handsome, wearing a tweed jacket. He adjusts his tie and checks his note cards. He's on a set which consists of a pleasant backdrop with the words a novel discussion and two comfortable chairs facing one another, cheating out. He's in the left chair. Between the chairs is a small coffee table and two mugs. Welcome back to a novel discussion. Our guest this evening has been making major waves in the literary world uh, with her debut novel, Three Hotels. Some say this 950-page work is a single-handedly responsible for reviving traditional media. Please welcome Esther James. Pleasant, upbeat transition music plays. We cut to the curtain where the guest is supposed to enter. No one enters for a few moments, and the music fades out. Do we have Miss James? <laughs> Just one moment, folks. We're going Esther bursts to... suddenly through the curtain, shielding her eyes from the hot TV studio lights. You can tell she's not used to being on live television. Her outfit would be flattering if it were not wrinkled and torn at the hem. Her hair is out of place. Ah, here she is. Esther Jane. Transition music begins again, and Teddy stands to meet Esther. She finally notices him and makes her way over. They shake hands and both sit. Her eyes are a little wide and unfocused, but she settles in and appears present. Miss James, it is such a pleasure to meet you. Is everything all right? Did something happen? <laughs> Things happen every day, and no one gets the memo except planets and stars. Teddy's, Teddy starts to speak, then thinks better of it and switches gears. Shall we talk about three hotels? Yes, and the moon. You may call me Esther. Well, what? I'll talk about my book, but I also promised the moon that I would talk about <laughs> it, and, and I don't break promises to the moon because I respect its power. Teddy freezes for a moment. We need to take another break, but we'll be right back with groundbreaking author Esther James. The lights shift and the crew goes about their business during the commercial break. A tense, quiet conversation breaks out between a man with a clipboard and a woman in a suit. Teddy leans over to Esther, who is sipping from her mug. What are you doing? What is happening right now? I'm talking about the moon. I get that, uh, but why? <laughs> uh, your publisher was really specific. I have answers, and they need questions. <laughs> you could... Wait, what did you say? Wait, you could do that right on your phone. You could Google that. The commercial, <laughs> the commercial break is ending. <laughs> Teddy settles in and tries to reset. Welcome back to a novel discussion with my special guest, Esther James, author of Three Hotels. This book has been breaking all kinds of sale re sales records. But not only that, it seems to appeal to readers across generations. We also just got the announcement that you're in the process of translating it into 40 additional languages. What would you say is the most difficult part of writing a novel that can be embraced by such a broad audience? Well, I, I think it's the moon. Right. The moon, of course. I mention the moon a lot in the book, and I, I think a lot of people have heard about the moon, and... I think about the moon a lot. I don't believe we've had an author who ascribes so much of their success to the moon. 
I'm not saying the moon made people buy my book. Oh, I see. You're saying the... I think a lot of people are worried about the moon. And it's sort of scary, and they'd feel better if they knew other people were worried about the moon. I see. Worried? About the moon? Yes. Well, let's come back to that. Your book is largely <laughs> set in a resort town on the Gulf Coast of Florida, a town very much like the one in which you were raised. What would you say is the most important thing you brought to the story from your childhood? I think the most important thing from my childhood was probably the cosmic horror of knowing that there's a moon up there. Teddy crumples a note card in his fist subconsciously in frustration. Huh. And you... I... I just think everyone probably has a lot of questions about the moon. When I first learned about the moon, I had a lot of questions, and I still do. I believe I mentioned during the break... Uh... So, so a big rock broke off? <laughs> a, a big rock came off the earth, and then it stayed there? I don't like that. Miss James. It broke off, and then both things got to be circles again, because they spun fast. I broke off, but I'm scared. I'm going to stay here. No one told me that. I had to find out. I don't like it. I don't like that we just pretend that's okay. There's a book for babies, and it's called Goodnight Moon. It's for babies, and, and there's no explanation. The moon is just there. They don't even say why. They don't even tell the babies. Esther, Esther, I really don't. I asked my mother about the ocean, the tides of the ocean, and do you know what she said to me? Esther is overwhelmed and begins to cry. The moon does it. The moon does it. <laughs> Esther runs from the studio, dropping and breaking the mug. Teddy stands, reacting to the outburst. Exterior parking lot, night. Esther bursts out of the studio doors into the parking lot. She sobs, her head in her hands. Finally, she collects herself and wipes her eyes, taking a deep breath. She looks up. There's an enormous full moon in the night sky above her. The stars are dim. All is quiet, except the low hum of insects. Esther stares up at the moon in awe, experiencing a spiritual enlightenment that surpasses all of her fears and questions. Smash cut to interior crowded bar, night. Esther sits in a booth with the moon. They cheers and take a drink. You're so different in person. The moon makes a loud humming noise in response. <laughs> Blackout. I love this. I love how it's evolved. I've loved every iteration of it. Uh, <laughs> Can I, can I can I say that I too have wondered the same thing about <laughs> the moon breaking off and then it would be an irregular triangular shape or something 
Uh, yeah, so this is something that uh, speaks to me. <laughs> Truth this and comedy, y'all. Concern. This is a real concern. Mm-hmm. I don't like that. <laughs> I don't like that. Why did it just so stay good. there? <laughs> Esther as the moon. Ooh, 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 ooh. I love that, too. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, Tyler, you want to talk about the writing process? You want to talk about the game? Yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> uh so this was uh i wrote this for the sketch class level two that harrison taught uh recently and this was kind of like me moving from like being used to thinking about stage sketches to like getting back to thinking about sketches that are written for the screen so i was like really trying to think about like all the visuals and all the the shots and stuff as i was going along and like picturing it that way and it just came from uh like most of my sketches, it came from a, a, a note in, my, in a note app that I wrote, um, just trying to get an idea down. And it was just like, it was just somebody uh, monologuing about <laughs> the moon, sort of, that I just, I like, heard it in my head and started typing uh, some of the ideas down. And then I just built on it. Um, like, I was trying to figure out, like, what would be the context for this conversation? And I thought an interview would be a funny place to put it so an interview specifically how... not about the moon <laughs> right yeah perfect so that's how we arrived here and uh and i also just have been tinkering with it since then and i've heard different people interpret it and this was it was just so fun to hear you two do it yeah so killer job jenny and jerry mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah amazing. super fun good material to work with yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, i love how character it's... based it is because i can just sort of picture this woman sort of in other contexts too and just sort of like she just got the moon on her mind no matter where she is or what she's doing Tyler, i love how strong the like the the setting of this interview gives you such strong resting moves like your shifts back down into the interview are so hard and good and honest and i just yeah i mean like there's really i'm not like giving a note here or anything but like uh even like leaning into that i like I feel like having Teddy at some point saying like, I'm sure our listeners are, or our viewers are interested in, or like curious about her. Uh, I loved how hard, because it's an interview, Teddy was able to just be like, let's stop talking about this. And it still felt so honest. Yeah, yeah, Teddy's, <laughs> cool. Um, I appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, Teddy's uh, great because he's so, he's so polite and he's trying so hard to, <laughs> you know, keep things together <laughs> and then he can't take it anymore and he crumbles that note card. He's just like, God yeah. fucking damn it. <laughs> <laughs> the salary is not uh is not worth what I'm dealing with right now. <laughs> but I think Jerry's reading of it too really had that balance of like, I'm not gonna lose control. I'm still yeah. have my radio talk show or TV talk show voice, and I'm still gonna keep trying no matter what. You know that frustration and level of like, still trying to be shiny here. You know, really rang through. I started to feel like I was reading it a little too much like a newscaster instead of a, a, a talk show host. At certain parts. The way I inflected some of the words. Yeah, it contrasted nicely with Esther's um, airy fairyness. <laughs> airy fairy. <laughs> I think this. Uh, I think this was a. This was great. I like it. it. Made me laugh. I wanted to see kind of a moment where 
or maybe uh, maybe Teddy starts to get relieved because he railroads the interview and it starts to seem like it's back on track. Like he's like, you know what? Why don't we? Why don't you just read a paragraph from the book and like the first three <laughs> lines? It's like, and that's when Janie said to herself that this was and blah blah blah. And then the fourth line is like, and then Janie saw the moon. And the moon, and the moon, and this, and the moon, and it. That's not. That's not in the again. book. That's not. In the book. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I like the idea of reading from the book and revealing that it's just as preoccupied with the moon. Maybe that would also uh, uh, that would also give the impression that because it, it sells out, it's like a, one of the best sellers. So other people are on board with this moon, all, all like. Just a constant conversation about the moon. I think it would be cool if, even if it was just like a brief shot, but I just want to see like Teddy like looking at the moon and like trying to get it. Like, just like, what? <laughs> <laughs> like, that's so good. Yeah. I love that. I really love that. <laughs> if they're on like one of those sets that's got like a night sky. <laughs> uh, getting, like... Yeah, yeah. It was saying that she could she could be even like that could af- affect her like mm. like how Conan had the big moon behind him at, like on his old set. Yeah. I love that. Liz. I love that. Yeah, it's so good. <laughs> it could almost be like a like a tag at the end of the of the sketch show. It could go back to Teddy being like, I don't. <laughs> Yeah. She's like, why did it stay? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they don't even say why. They don't even tell the baby. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, why don't we just head on into Drew's sketch, the copy room, as our final sketch this evening? We have some characters to listen in here. We have James will be played by Jerry Stevens the second. Bill will be played by Drew Brooks. Geraldo will be played by Keith Estrella. And the instructor will be played by Tyler Chick. Interior, office building by the water cooler, midday. Bill and James were just told that someone has to make 250 copies of a piece of paper, <clears throat> but the printer slash copier is super slow and right next to the weird guy's desk. Fine, we'll rock, paper, scissors for it. Okay. Three. Two. They both get their hands ready. Three. Two. two one. Sh- one. Shoot. shoot. Son of a... Give me that. Interior. A different part of the same office building, same time. James walks into the area that houses the copy machine, muttering to himself about how he doesn't want to make these copies. Having to make 250 goddamn copies, and for what? So we could all learn about Sarah and accounting's sad life? Great. Now I know that she was born in Utah and went to high school at Jefferson High. What am I going to do with that? Answer two of her security questions on her Venmo account? As he finishes his rant to himself, he looks back towards Geraldo's desk and sees he isn't there. Oh, thank God. I think I escaped him this time. Having to talk to Geraldo would be... Geraldo appears out of nowhere next to James, holding a mug of tea that he keeps dipping the tea bag into. You rang? Jesus, Geraldo. You scared me. Sorry. My mother did say I was always light-footed. One time I accidentally snuck up on her when she... Uh, begins to trail off. Is... Now we hear James' thoughts as Geraldo continues to talk to him. Just smile and nod, James. You'll get through this. 
just make eye contact from time to time to make it seem like you're listening. And once the printer is done, you just make a break for it. James looks at the printer slash copier. Oh no, it's only done 50 copies? I have 200 to go. Crazy, am I right? <laughs> oh, for sure. <laughs> so anyway. Rather starts talking in the background again. I wonder what would happen if I just decked this guy. Just bop right in the nose. Jesus, James, that might be too much. Sure, I'd have to do a bid, but it would be a misdemeanor, and no one loses their life over a misdemeanor. This guy is so weird. I wonder if he's still a virgin. Ugh. Now I'm thinking about him having sex. Why does he have a giant dick in my made-up Geraldo sex thought? And having to knock on all your neighbors' doors and tell them something like that? <laughs> it's not easy. Wait, what? Why haven't I been listening? <laughs> is he... Is he a sex offender? <laughs> Wait, and furthermore, did he just tell me he was a sex offender? Uh, who talks about that willingly? Okay, just act normal, James. It couldn't have been that. There's no way. The printer says 150 of 250. <sighs> okay, I'm almost out of here. I wonder what he is thinking when he does this to people. Man, I have a giant dick. I could strangle Bill. I bet he's just sitting at his desk enjoying normal life. Cut to Bill at his desk. Owner of a Lonely Heart plays. Cut back to James. I prefer yes earlier at work. Uh, wait, I can hear Bill's thoughts? Am I one of those psychics? Or is it telekinetic? The term you are looking for is telepathic. Geraldo? What the hell are you doing to my head? Get out of here, this is private. You didn't seem like you were listening, so I thought this might be better. Anyway, as I was saying... James runs out of the office, and then the screen pauses like it was a video. Then the instructor walks into the shop. And so ends the idle chit-chat of your annoying co-workers portion of your orientation. Always remember to smile and nod and never use your newly developed telepathic powers to get your co-workers to unionize. Geraldo <laughs> walks under the same screen as the instructor. Actually, the thing about unions is... No, 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 not here. He this this is a safe place. A sa safe from you. The screen goes black. I'm still in here. I, yeah, I love this idea. It's so fun. Anything you want to say about the writing process or the game? Uh, <clears throat> it was like three in the morning. <laughs> and I was still up. So love it was, um, that's pretty much where most of the writing process came from. But when I, um, when I saw that it was supposed to be like a sketch for a celebrity, I don't know why, but John Waters popped into my head. Um, which calling him a celebrity is like oh he's a celebrity mm -hmm. yeah sure close yeah, enough celebrity. right yeah a cold celebrity that's probably a good term for it and I was I was like I wanted to write something that was um relatable and then it just got weird at the end yeah I mean all the best sketches get weird at the end in my opinion <laughs> uh, yeah no I I think that's super fun I I really like the uh, the part where he. Geraldo like says that's not a thing you want to knock on your neighbor's doors and tell them and yeah. James is like wait what why haven't I been listening to that uh, giving him that like yeah. uh, just having to deal with I, I don't know I feel like we've all had that moment right there's like a lot of truth in that mm -hmm. uh, oh, yeah. that's a lot of fun yeah I I love the uh, the thing where James is like oh I can't like well that's a misdemeanor no one's like, like thinking about like what the 
repercussions of different kinds of violences. Uh, it'd be okay. I feel like it'd be cool. Like since we heard that, and then it gets reframed as like an instructional work video, uh, for the instructor to like repeat like, uh, and remember like no one's life gets ruined over a misdemeanor. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, it was interesting to read it not knowing anything about what I was about to read. Like, the only thing I knew was it took place in an office and my name was James. So, like, reading that, it was, uh, like, I was get, experiencing it as I was reading it, which was fun. Um, I also like the idea of uh, when he gave him a big dick and it's like, why why does he have a big dick in my in my mm-hmm. mind? Like, the idea, I, I like the idea that... Maybe Geraldo was influencing that. Like, yeah. <laughs> he was kind of. He's like, okay, so we're we're not uh, talking. We're on a mental level, so I'll just influence that now. It was like one surprise after another. One like, but yeah, but they, they kept compounding upon themselves. Yeah. Like, around the like at the end, like one after mm-hmm. another, and that's kind of what you want, I think, when you're reaching the tail yeah. end of your uh, sketch. Uh, the dipping the tea over and over is such a perfect visual to set up yeah. John Waters. Like, yes. <laughs> it felt so real. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So good. not so good. Yeah, not just like John Waters, but I feel like any weird, creepy weirdo would do that. You have this uh, opportunity at the at the very beginning of the sketch for a misdirect. Uh, you have uh, Bill and James were just told that someone has to make two hundred fifty copies of a piece of paper. Um, like I, I feel like we could see that like just very quickly. We could establish like a weird boss, uh, who's like, "Hey, uh, one of you has to make two hundred fifty copies so we can learn about Sarah and accounting. Sad life. I don't care who." And yeah, then, that's like, good. <laughs> just because we don't actually ever even like see that information, other than it's it written. Right. In the, in the same way, I think okay. it'd be really good to set up that the reason they're playing rock paper scissors for it is because they don't want to be next to. Uh, Geraldo's desk, like if you put that up top instead of being it part of James's little muttering to himself, uh, I just think we'd get we'd make the connection between the rock paper scissors earlier to what. Are, are you saying it could be in their dialogue? Is that? Yeah, like well, I, I that's yeah. You know where the copier is? It's next to Geraldo's desk. I'm not going over there. Well, I'm not going over there. Well, it's rock paper scissors for it. Yeah. Or it could be shorter than that. Maybe I don't even just. Uh, it just would make it more clear that that's that's the thing they're trying to avoid. You'd be like, James, make these copies of Sarah, and he's like, but I don't want to. Geraldo's desk's over there, and he's like, everyone has to deal with Geraldo at least once a week. <laughs> <laughs> it's your turn. They get Google Calendar invites to remind yeah. them. <laughs> we all agreed that we would talk to Geraldo once a week. <laughs> We gotta keep him satisfied or he'll venture out into our cubicles. Oh, yeah. I don't want him in my cubicle again. He was there for an hour last time. I love the idea that it's like this institutional thing that, like, they do it to satiate Geraldo so he doesn't, like, go out into the office yeah maybe he actually is really good at one particular part of the job that everybody hates and they know that if if they don't keep him occupied he's gonna get close enough to the boss's office that if he strikes up a conversation he will be canned and we will all now be forced to do this job (laughs) i think it also gives you license to have the instructor just be like so that's how you deal with geraldo 
Connecting it to it being an anti-union video is also really funny. Yes. I've had to watch those videos before. Yeah. yeah. Like, here's why you don't need to unionize. <laughs> 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 Sorry. My mother did say I was always light-footed. All right. That's all for us tonight. Thank you to all the writers, actors, and to the Jeff Powers for all that wonderful music. And most especially, thank you, the listeners. If you'd like to support the show, check out patreon.com slash sketchy sketchpod. And if you'd like to submit a sketch, email sketchy sketchpod at gmail.com. We'll read your sketch, and if it's selected, we'll reach out and get you on the show. Now keep in mind that all these artistic works are the property of the writers, so please do not steal their great ideas. And if you like what you heard today, please tell your friends or follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Like us on Facebook. Give us five stars. Write us about us on a bathroom stall somewhere. Well, until next week, that's all for us. Au revoir. Au revoir. Ciao. Bye-bye. Goodbye. (laughs) See you later. Ciao. (laughs) That wasn't an offensive accent. (laughs) Just real bad. Just chat. That's just how we say it. Just can't take it anymore. (laughs) Sketchy, 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 sketchy,